Welcome to season two of Shit Talks. Super excited to be back. I'm your host, Gavi. Uh, today we're gonna have a really powerful conversation on housing gentrification. And really excited with the guests that we have here today. I'm gonna give everyone an opportunity to introduce themselves, uh, say their name, pronoun, and a little bit about what you know what you do. So yeah, I guess I'll start over here. Um, yeah, so my name's Dixon Romeo. Um, I am the campaigns director at United Working Families, but in addition to that, um, I'm a member of uh, Not Me We, which is a South Side, South Shore tenant organizing organization. We're members of uh, the Obama CBA coalition, which is a coalition of groups coming together to make sure that there are protections for South Side residents against displacement with the Obama Center being constructed. Um, I'm from South Shore, born and raised from Chicago, went to Kenwood for high school, went to Grinnell College. Um, I like long walks on the beach, I'm an Aquarius, <laughs> you know, so yeah. Hey, thank you, thank you. Yep, good to know, good to know. Um, I'm Shane Calvin, um, I go by they, them, theirs, and um, I work with Circles and Cyphers, I've been working with them since 2020. Um, we are a hip-hop-infused restorative justice organization. Um, we're youth-led. We've been around since um, spring 2010. And I run the LGBTQ Circle of Color. Hey, dope. Thank you, thank you. Hey, y'all. <laughs> My name is Frederique. I am the policy organizer at Chicago Votes. I grew up in Southern Illinois. I'm a first-gen uh, Haitian-American uh, person and my pronouns are she hers I studied political science and african-american studies at UIC um, and yeah now I live in the Morgan Park neighborhood of Chicago uh, which is like my parents my mom grew up there so it mm -hmm. feels like home my granny's house is over there mm -hmm. so glad to be over there um, and yeah I love Chicago I've been living here for about seven years now so mm -hmm. it's been great awesome thank you thank you um, yo I'm super excited to have you guys on I feel like this conversation is, is always, you know, one I think that's been coming up a lot more recently. And I think it, it goes all types of ways, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm really excited to see, like, what we talk about today. And so, yeah, I guess we'll just start off with, like, you know, tell me a little bit maybe about, like, where you guys are from and how you've seen maybe your own community change. Um, yeah. So I'm from South Shore, so I grew up on 71st and Constance um, and then moved to 67th and Creek Year. Um, and the time I've been in, so that's, I was born in 1994, right? And so for me, I've seen kind of three different phases of what I'd like to call like what the neighborhood has looked like, right? Um, so when I, early on when I was born, right, like I remember very vividly, you know, the neighborhood feeling at least relatively safe, right? Like it was a mixture of folks, right? Mm -hmm. um, South Shore is a community of mostly renters, but you know, my parents when they were living together had a home, right? Um, and I distinctly remember going into uh, later in elementary school, so closer to 2006, 2007, seeing like the last kind of like uh, phase of the city like tearing down public housing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what we know from looking at data is that 
a lot of those folks that did end up getting those housing Section 8 vouchers right, South Shore then became the number one neighborhood for voucher holders um, in the city. And up until, and it has been that way at least up until the latest studies that we've seen, right? Um, and so what I then vividly remember at a younger age is understanding that there was a clear like class division with folks when it came to housing, regardless of race, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think oftentimes when we talk about gentrification, we talk about white folks moving into a black or Latinx neighborhood, which happens, it is happening, it is, um, it is race is a part of that, but in addition to that, um, there are black folks who may be middle class, maybe aspiring middle class, right? Maybe homeowners or condo owners who then I think uh, sometimes take on the attributes or the tactics that we see um, white, white people take on when it comes to poor folks, folks who rent, folks who are on vouchers living in the neighborhood, right? Um, so I remember at a certain age it became, oh, you can't go over here, right? Um, and it's like, why, right? Like, these are my friends, these are the folks I've grown up with. If it's cool for me to kick it with them at the Y, if it's cool for me to walk to McDonald's after we hoop, why is it not cool for me to go two blocks from where I live to their home, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, being transparent, that's coming from not just folks, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not just talking theoretically, I'm talking like people, they're members of my family, right, who I had mm -hmm. to have conversations with at a young age, and now, obviously, I'm older about like, like yeah, this is an anti-black, right, like, let's talk about that, um, so I think that's, so for me, I saw that, and then going back to college, going to college, so going to high school at Kenwood, going to college, and then coming back from Grinnell College in 2016, um, and that was the year that they announced the Obama Center was going to be Jackson Park, and coming back from college and living back in the neighborhood, I distinctly saw a difference in terms of how folks are treated, but then also like the policy, right? Rent was more expensive. Right, mm -hmm. um, things started being marketed as it's not just 67th Street. Every if you look on Zillow, everything it talked about was blocks away from the Presidential Center. Right, mm -hmm. people started talking about um, what was to come as if it was a certainty and what that meant for certain people. And the conversation, to me at least, um, and one of the reasons why I was really big on getting this coalition in, in the coalition, because they were some of the few folks talking about how do we stop this as opposed to how do I benefit from displacement of other people? Mm. Yeah, I remember, um, I grew up in the High Park area, mm -hmm. so, so I guess, and I think during that, even during that time, like, you know, gentrification obviously, like, was still a thing. Um, you had like a you had like a um, a good mix of people, and my area was also like considered safe, you know. I guess and like, I remember, I remember you know the rent being like nine hundred a month, you know, and and now you know looking back and reflecting back, you know, that's cheap considering that it's High Park. So, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like we we were pretty much like priced out or pushed out when I was like, you know, 16 and we had to like move like further south. And, you know, I just remember the neighborhood just looking so different from the way it was before, like, you know, 52nd and Harper. Like there was like a there was like a whole park and it wasn't even like your typical park. The ground it wasn't grass, but it was like red bricks. 
that was on the that was like on the ground and so like you could you could skate or you could just like go there just to like chill um now 52nd and Harper looks completely different you know it's a movie theater hotels you know so many businesses you know like it's definitely not the same we had like a whole grocery store and a whole plaza on like you know 51st and Lake Park and now it's a building with condos and so like and so it's just like damn I can tell who this is for and I can tell who this is not for for me it's like it's tough so I'm I'm you know from Chicago I moved a lot though so I think for me it's definitely um it's definitely different in regards to like I feel like when people are like oh where are you from like a lot of people in Chicago like they, they know like they're from like this side of the neighborhood or you know from this mm. specific and like that's like mm-hmm. their whole identity and like for me that's like not the case like we moved around a lot um when I was born my family lived um man it's crazy because it's not even like really a neighborhood it's like across the street from like the Lanthrop homes so like now it's really close, you know, like it's mm-hmm. close to like DePaul, it's close to like, you know what I'm saying? It's like kind of really borderline, like Lakeview, um, was it like, was it not Rogers Park, um, Roscoe Village. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so like that's, you know, when I was born, that's where my family was, you know, located. And so that's like, that's fairly like Northeast, you know what I'm saying? And since then we've been pushed a lot more Northwest. Um, and so, and I also like lived in Mexico for a few years, so like, Every time I would come back, it'd be like a different city, or not a different city. Well, yeah, it would feel like a different city coming back to Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it's just such a trip because like as an adult now, like like I'm heavy on like identifying as like from Chicago, but it's still hard to like most Chicagoans can say like oh yeah like born and raised in like this neighborhood, you know what I'm saying? Like and I don't have that, so it's a big like um, I don't know. It's like an identity thing, you know what I'm saying? That still kind of like dealing with that, so. I'm a Northwest Side shorty now, is what I, <laughs> what I guess you would say. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I've lived in Albany Park. Um, like I said, we used to live by Atlanta Palms. Um, lived in like, kind of like bordered like Portage Park slash Belmont Cragen, um, Logan, Bucktown, um, and I went to high school in, in Westtown. So that's like a, a big, big identifier of like, where I feel like I developed as like a person. Um, and so that was tough too, cause like growing up, I was like, yeah, West Town, you know, cause like going to high school, I was like, okay, that made sense. Like it was just like, you know what I'm saying? Where I felt closest to like myself, I guess, and like developed into myself. And when I went away for school in Minnesota. Um, and so when I came back, I was like, oh yeah, when I come back to Chicago, like I'm, I'm finna move like to West Town or Logan. And man, that was just not the area that I, mm. <laughs> that I remember. And it's just mm. wild because like, you know, if I say that now, if I say, like, like, you know, saying, and I do, right? I say, like, I live in Long Square. People are like, oh, Logan. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, everyone just rolls their eyes and it's like, oh, you live with the hipsters. You do this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and ooh, a fire lights inside me. Because it's like, yo, Logan used to be so Mexican and so Latinx. Like, and that was like a hub for people to, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, come together. And Milwaukee used to be a lot different. You know, it used to be, like, little shops. Um, like little like small owned shops you can get you know what I'm saying get some wigs get like some random like a beauty supply you know what I'm saying like just like little things like there used to be a discovery that shit is like a dill pickle co-op like you know what I'm saying like it's like no not discovery a rainbow (laughs) you know what I'm saying so it's like (laughs) you know what I'm saying it's like I feel you on what you're saying about like 
like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you see things change and, like, mm-hmm. you know it's not for you. Right. And, like, you just know that, right? Because, like, again, it's like the, the more, like, the time passes by so quickly. And before you know it, like, you used to know people in the neighborhood. And before you know it, that's not the neighborhood no more. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and you just wonder, like, where the, where's everyone at? You know what I'm saying? Because, like, it doesn't, I feel like as someone whose family, like, had to move a lot, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, when when we were born, uh, when I was born, my family was, like, pretty close to, like, Lakeview, which, again, like, Lakeview, Uptown, places like that used to not be what they are now. Mm-hmm. And, again, people who, like, are not from Chicago and, like, knows the city how it is, like, now, if you were to tell them, like, oh, Lakeview didn't used to be like that, like, they would not believe you, you know what I'm saying? And then, mm-hmm. and I'm 26, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not, like... Um, like, I'm an old head spiritually, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. for sure. But, like, it's not like I'm that far apart where, like, people are like, oh, it's just because you've seen the city through, like, too many decades where it's not relatable. But it's like, no, nah, like, this is happening, like, right underneath us. Um, I remember even, like, being on the train <laughs> and, like, overhearing white people saying, oh, yeah, that neighborhood, it got so much better and it got <laughs> so much safer. And I'm like... I'm like, girl, do you even know what that means? Do you know what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Like, rewind. Just, yeah, to keep it, like, brief, like, I grew up in southern Illinois, which is, like, very different from Chicago. It's very much uh, very homogenous, very um, white. Um, and so I always knew, like, my family was from Chicago. Like, my mom, whenever they immigrated uh, from Haiti, um, they settled in Morgan Park, Beverly area. Um, and so... I had come up a lot, like just visiting family for people's birthdays, weddings, holidays, um, because we were the only people in our family who didn't live in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, in in growing up, like I, we didn't really go downtown. Like uh, Morgan Park, Beverly is like in the hundreds, so it's like in the in the south, you know, one of the southmost parts of Chicago. So like there was really no reason for us to go up north, or, like or even go downtown. So like whenever I was a kid, like I thought that the like only black people lived in Chicago because that, that's all I saw. Mm. Um, and so like mm. as I got older, you know, I realized you know like there's more to <laughs> Chicago than just like the corners that I was in. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that my story uh, with Chicago isn't so much about um, how I've seen things change, but more about like the disparities in the different places that I've lived and how mm. uh, how community looks and how it functions in different places. Um, And so I think like when I first came, I lived, I went to UIC, so I lived in the dorms. Um, And then I moved uh, down the street from from the campus. And then I ended up moving to an area which is now called Tri-Taylor, which before Mm -hmm. was just like, like the the window to out west. But Mm -hmm. like now it's just like they're, they created a name for it in order to like, you know, separate it from the community that it used to be. Um, and so there's like a Facebook group, like the Tri-Taylor Community Association, um, and it's folks who have like maybe bought homes in the area or rent in the area, um, and there's just like, you have this space, and then a few blocks over, it's like out west, and it's like, you, there are no grocery stores, there mm-hmm. are no uh, coffee shops, there's none of those things, um, and then we do have like some, like on Taylor, no, not on Taylor, on uh Roosevelt, that's not Roosevelt, what street is that? Western. Mm -hmm. And on Western, uh, there, like, are some remnants of, like, some shops that, like, were black-owned and have been there for a long time. Um, But, like, you'll you'll see, like, comments on the Facebook group, like, what's going on over there at that restaurant? Like, there's so many people in there, they're playing loud music. And it's like, how y'all gonna complain about... 
like y'all just got here and right. now also this used to not look like this like there all these things are being created um like for y'all and i also think like over there they just like turned the old cook county hospital into like doctor's offices and like a, a hotel, hotel. Mm -hmm. um and it's like that's kind of crazy what what all what all of us are talking about right is like the systemic um issue right? like, like of course there's like a cultural effect there's a personal effect like these things happen because institutions um in play in our neighborhoods from like local politics to citywide politics to like the real estate industry to like the racial wealth gap right like all play a part in how we see gentrifications in communities um and i'm of the opinion right like gentrification is violence right like if i am displacing you from an area like there's no easy displacement right like you know like i think the a term that like tenant and housing organized tell people like no one actually self evicts like you're forced to mm -hmm. if you only have one choice you don't have a choice right exactly. um and mm -hmm. so i think that you know i, I just want to like talk let's like walk through like what that cycle looks like right um i think that to freddie's point like we have communities in the city that um are full of brown or black folks historically we are, you know, we're this minority in the country, and like also historically, we are going to be poor because of all the different, you know, systemic reasons going back to slavery, going back to, you know, internationally how America affects different countries and why people want to come to America in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. And so, off the rip, we know that on average, right, black folks are going to have less money than white folks, right? Latinx <sighs> folks are going to have less money than white folks. There are always going to be a couple exceptions. You can get your, you know, your Oprahs or your whatever. <laughs> but like on mass, right? We are mm -hmm. the smaller, not like we have a smaller end with less money. And so what that means is that you know if we live in a capitalist system and we have to, the goal of any endeavor, right, is to seek profit. Like how do you do that, right? Like you buy <coughs> low and you sell high, right? Like mm -hmm. you you purchase things for a cheap value and sell them for a higher value. Mm -hmm. And so like there's Matthew Desmond. Um, <clears throat> who wrote a really good book called Evicted. He, you know, he, he is at, like, Princeton or some one of them schools. I don't know. Princeton or something. But, like, they did a report, right? And, like, you make more money being a landlord in a poorer neighborhood than you will in a richer one. Your entry cost is lower. Your maintenance cost is lower, right? The accountability you have in terms of city fines and fees is going to be lower. And the study they did was in Milwaukee. And I'm sure if they did in Chicago, they would see the same thing. So what that looks like is that um, in addition to, right, the fact that the bank, you know, banking industry, and again, like I tell people, people forget banks are not like uh, part of the government. Like they are for-profit entities as well, right? Like the goal of a bank is to also make money. Right. Um, and so these, that coupled with the fact that historically from redlining, racial segregation, blah, 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 banks discriminate home values for black folks um, and brown folks. And so what that looks like and that means is that you can have the same type of house in Inglewood Versus the same type of house, uh, you know, in somewhere on the north side, and it, uh, it could be the same materials, but the value of it is going to be different because real estate values are like more or less made up, right? Like they're relative, and it's about location, it's about speculation, it's about what you think mm -hmm. is going on in the market in the future, mm -hmm. and so because of that, that means that our neighborhoods are going to have lower cost than other ones, and so what does that mean? If I'm if I'm running a company and I want to make money. I'm not going to try and buy a whole bunch of land downtown and develop. There's no land to buy. And if it is, I'm paying a lot because those other people are saying, I bought low to sell high. You're, mm -hmm. I'm selling high now, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what do you do? You say, hmm, 
let me look around. Where else can I get something? Like maybe there's something in Logan Square. Maybe there's something in Pilsen. Maybe there's something in South Shore. Maybe there's something in the black part of Hyde Park or Woodlawn, right? Mm -hmm. And so I come and I say. Inside the black part. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. There's um, a difference now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and you come in and you say, all right, great. You know, when I think about it, folks here are dealing with unequal access to education, unequal access to medical stuff, right? Or mental health is also physical health, right? Hospitals and stuff. I mean, we like just talk about black neighborhoods in Chicago. Mm -hmm. There are neighborhoods that have seen massive school closures, attempt to close hospitals, community violence, police violence, lack of investment in infrastructure in like a five year span. You know, even and everything going on in Hyde Park right now, you know, the University of Chicago is taking over. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they owned like one hundred percent of everything that's in that area. Mm -hmm. You know, like restaurants. You know, um, apartment buildings, like. It's really, it's really just sad. It's like you have to literally be a college student who's willing to like put yourself through debt, you know, just to live in this area, you know. So, yeah, it's 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 wild what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, like even at UIC, like a lot of that area is like owned by, um, like. UIC and so I mean we we learn the history well some folks do when, when you go to the school um, back in the day whenever they decided to build UIC um, I think it was under the first daily um, that community used to be like a very like Polish Italian um, like you know yeah. a European <laughs> ethnic area um, and then you have like Maxwell Street which was like a hub of like like commerce especially for like people who lived in the area um, and you could like get anything over there and now it's like you don't see that um, and yeah the dailies were just like yeah we're gonna put the school right here so um, hope y'all like find something to do <laughs> like mm -hmm. um, I think that there is a like level of like accountability that these like institutions like should have but like they're they're like there's just not no one wants to do that um, like I think about the apartment that I just moved out of uh, like same apartment like nothing really has changed like i'm sure like maybe my landlord put like a new fresh coat of paint on the walls or whatever but i whenever i was looking for new apartments i saw my apartment listed and it was like almost like 700 dollars more than it was when i was living there um but also it's like they know that like it's close to the university and students can't afford to live there mm -hmm. um and then like right down the block they started building like all these houses that look the exact same and they put oh a sign God. on it and it says um starting at uh, 599k and it's like these are half more than half a million dollar homes like on the same block like if you keep going down like all the houses are boarded up so it's like how do y'all and then like they did this thing where they like uh, put artwork like on the garage doors and there's like a sign there now that says like uh, Chicago's most Instagrammable alley oh and it's God. like they're they're really pandering to like a certain kind of like person there um, <laughs> And this is kind of frustrating too, because it's like you're you're looking at the people who are actively like losing their homes, their communities, where they grew up. Like, there, are, I was looking online when I was looking for apartments. There's like a school that used to be Chicago Public School, and now it's like literally condos. Like, I, it's like oh my god, thousand, three thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Like that's so yeah. wild. And then on top of that, to not even have the 
level of resources that these people in power have to even make these types of decisions like what what can we do mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like if you're the person who's being displaced mm-hmm. like first of all you're worried about where you, where are you going to live mm-hmm. first right like where am i going to sleep at night probably worried about also like your kids their school what y'all going to eat you know like if you have if you're the person who's getting kicked out, like there's so many levels of things that you're worried about that are so immediate that it's almost like disrespectful to be putting an expectation on like, and you're gonna be the one who's gonna like fix it all and hold people accountable so that this doesn't happen again. Like what, like you're the one experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times like, you know, before you can even name it and say like, oh, this is what this is, like you're just experiencing it. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're the one going through it. So like, yeah, like I, I think that's another question that I have too is, is you know, what is there to do? You know what I'm saying? And this, in that type of scenario when like, like who is it left up to? You know what I'm saying? Cause I, I think that um, it's just so tough to, to just expect people who are going through literally the hardest thing, like displacement, like you literally losing your home. Yeah, I think um, for me, like as an organizer, like I think what you're talking about, Gabby, um, around like folks directly affected having so much to deal with. Like, I think that's so, true right like the reality of it is i also think that like um and this is something i had to grow into and i got pushed on but it's like the reality like does not fighting make the situation better for you mm-hmm. and, and the reality of it is it doesn't right um and i th- i think that that's why folks who you know do have some sort of like um privilege or grace i think you like you're res- you have a responsibility to be in organization and be in community with folks and help lessen that burden it shouldn't be only directly affected folks fighting um mm-hmm. but also like the reality of it is like um you know i worked with someone and that that was that's what they told me like i got so much going on like what am i gonna do i'm like yeah so like the reality of it is like if you don't fight you're gonna get evicted mm-hmm. um and you can fight and still get evicted mm-hmm. but exactly. but the net result is like as of right now you don't have the power to stop that mm-hmm. and the, the only way we get the power to stop that is by you showing up because it can't mm-hmm. be me talking about what's happening in your building right, right? like it has to be you right. um I think the larger question around like um what does it look like for like what's the alternative right I think is kind of what I'm hearing you all are talking about and I think that like you know what the alternative what the alternative looks like you know obviously the 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 last step would be like you know a non-capitalist society right which is you know not going to happen in one day um but I do think it is piece by piece making sure that folks have the ability to self-determine um what happens to them right um to really to 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 my point earlier to have more than one choice that they actually can make a choice right Mm -hmm. um and i think what that looks like is like you know stuff like we're doing around the cba right i think it looks like the different campaigns for just cause or for rent control or for you know the real estate transfer tax so we have a dedicated revenue stream for homelessness like it looks like some of all those things um ideally all of them right um And I think that that's that's where it's got to start. And I also think it's like having a real analysis of the problem, right? Like I think um, most people think of like housing issues as like, well, I have a place to sleep, um, so I'm okay, right? Um, I met, you know, like that, like that's it. It's like, you know, like I'm good. And it's like, all right, well, you know, and I do this, I do this with people all the time. I say, okay, so um, how much do you make a month? And people are like, what do you mean? I'm like, how much do you make a month, right? Let's say it's 2500 right? I'm like, well, how much do you pay for rent? It's like, well, I pay 
1200 for rent. I'm like, all right, cool. You spend almost half your income on rent, mm-hmm. right? It's like, let's assume you want to be a homeowner. When are you ever going to save the money to get a home, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. What happens if you get, you know, if you lose your job for two months? Are you going to be able to afford your rent then, right? What happens if your rent goes up $200? You're able to afford it then, right? Because these are all very realistic things that right. can happen based on the laws and rules we have around housing now. And I also think, like, um, the the point I push people on, too, is, like, when it really comes down to it, you know, you don't really have, as an individual, I think, you know, organized communities have a lot of power and tenants have power, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, like, as an individual, um, the, the, the power balance between, like, landlords and, like, tenants or renters is, like, it's, it's Herculean, the difference, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe it's the wrong term, but, like, it is a... It's like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll exactly. do a visual, right? right? Um, you know, your landlord, depending on like what type of lease you got, your landlord could call you and like, yeah, I'm doubling rent. A couple weeks ago, um, and in the spring, like I went to Springfield to do some lobbying for some of the bills that Chicago Votes is working on. Um, and there are like organizations dedicated who like have hella people on payroll to like talk to the people who are in charge to like make them make decisions that don't have anyone's best interest at heart except for the people who like want to make money right so i think a lot about um when i think about like what needs to be done i think it's important to understand like what we're up against Mm -hmm. and it's like we there are a lot of like corporate interests um involved um and so the only i don't know what accountability really looks like and i think i've been struggling uh Mm -hmm. with what that means um but i think that kind of like what Dixon said, like if we don't like come together to like fight this, like they're just gonna keep doing like what they're doing, right? Like there there are as a group of like realtors, right, who like don't wanna see people like tenants have rights or don't wanna they don't want certain things to happen because like that affects their pockets, right? And mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, like lawmakers wanna hear what they have to say because when they're up for reelection, right? Like if the Illinois Realtors Association is giving you like hella mm-hmm. money to your campaign, guess what you're gonna do? you're going to pass the laws that they tell you to pass. And then also, like, if you disagree with them, they're like, okay, well, next time you got, you're up for election, like, we're going to fund, like, your opponent, right? So, mm-hmm. like, good luck to you. And so, like, that that is just kind of, like, a, a bigger uh, problem in the way, like, our, our systems work. It's, like, the people who have money and the people who have power, um, usually, like, they get to stay there. And yeah. they are able to, um, like, power just is, like, the ability to... Uh, to, to get do what you want, <laughs> yeah. even at the resistance of other people, even at like mm-hmm. the even expense, at the yeah. expense of other people, right? Um, and so I think that I think our generation and I think like our country uh, has a reckoning to do when we think about like um, how long are we going to allow for uh, these people, these this small group of people, to like continue to make decisions that actually don't benefit like the rest of us, right? When it comes to like the political piece, I think you're really right. Um, in terms of just like what does those additional like steps look like dealing with like you know folks who are lobbyists right and like they are there are things that they propagate or like push that are like not necessarily like really reflective of like meaningful solutions right like the number one thing we hear is like okay well what about you know mom and pop landlords right like the small landlord Um, and every time that's brought up I ask like okay like what's the definition of a mom and pop landlord is the units is it the amount of profit is it do do they have another job as well as this job right and like there's no answer to that because it's not a real thing that really matters to them because the overwhelming folks in these like real estate associations they're not like 
you know, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson who live in the first floor mm -hmm. and got two units upstairs, right? Like they're not the ones down at Springfield trying to kill rent control. It is like Pangea. It is like mm -hmm. East Lake Management, right? It's like huge. It's Mac Property. These are, these are huge multi-state or multinational um, entities pushing for, you know, profit and th that don't live in or aren't accountable to communities, right? Um, you know, because of the world we live in, folks are going to own property. Like as of now, that is what we do, right? And so I think there's a difference between, like I tell like people all the time, like, well, you know. I'm, my grand, my grandmother was a landlord. She owned a building on 69th and Oglesby, and there were three people in the building, right? And she lived on the middle floor. Someone lived above us, and someone lived below her. Um, and you know, when folks were behind on rent, she worked with folks. She wasn't charging an arm and leg. She was charging just enough to be able to handle repairs, right, and to keep the building together. Um, so she's not, she wasn't methodically in her, and I know because I was there, right? She went at the kitchen table with a napkin like, man, if I raise rent 5% every year, then in this year I'll be able to get this and I can acquire something else, right? It is literally like, I wanted somewhere to live. There are other space in here. How can I accommodate that? And she herself was paying rent into that pot, right? It's not like other people in the building were subsidizing her contribution to the maintenance of the building, right? And so I think that like, um, I think sometimes organizers, we do a bad job of like giving folks like a really uh, realistic like next step, you know, like, yes, I want to get rid of capitalism, but like, you can't like just show up at the meeting. It's like, boom, we kill capitalism, right? Like there's going to be like a thousand steps before we get there. And I think one of them, to your point, is like doing that education and self-awareness and really being abreast of the issue. I think the second thing is like actively in whatever way you can working against right the issue and not like feeding into that like that propaganda or like the things that make it strong i think the third part is like being a part of an organization right whether it's a citywide one whether it's one in your neighborhood one that's like actively working to with community members get rid of the problem the word that keeps coming up in my head this entire time is abolition abolition mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. abolish you know, burn down all this shit, you know, like, of course, yes, we have a million fifty eleven steps to get there, you know, and yes, let's pay attention to those small steps, you know, and like be intentional about what we're doing. Yes, get educated, you know, get involved with your community and, you know, get involved with community organizing. Absolutely. You know, but the end goal, I think it needs to be abolition. You know, like, I think that as long as there is any type of system or any type of structure where one person has more and then the other person has less, it's just not going to work. It's just not gonna work. And like, we're gonna be, we're gonna always be having this conversation, you know? If we're not, if we don't end up dead due to climate change because of, it's just so much, you know? <laughs> so, like, yeah, I think, I definitely think, you know, you know, divest, divest from the system you know, divest from, you know, praising with rich people and thinking that 
you're going to be them and mm -hmm. you know like divest from the divest from all of this shit and like just invest in your community just want to say thank you guys so much thank you i feel like it was a very powerful conversation i definitely learned a lot and i think it's an ongoing conversation too you know what i'm saying so um thank you all and also thank you for the work that you're doing and, and thank you for you know just talking some real shit here on shit talks so thank you Ain't nothing new at all. This been going on for ages. Ain't no way out of it. You think we was put inside some mazes? It's a shame we're being stripped of our humanity. Shame that we're in the midst of all of this insanity. Rest in peace to those who didn't deserve to die the way they did. Left behind all their loved ones, left behind their kids. I got a bone to pick with all of these lunatics that's intruding. With all of the stupidness, tell me what's the purpose? I got a feeling we're headed to collision. The ending is nearing. The time is revealing, man. I'm just kind of nervous. The world is toxic. We gotta stop it. We gotta drop it. Coonery and buffoonery. We looking like the circus. Man, tell me why we're all ignoring these times filled with lies and all the people's demise. And still, there is no justice. <laughs>